0: John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray briefly once again. Lord God, may the light of your living word now shine upon us. May your spirit Illuminate our dark hearts. May your your spirit throw his glorious illuminating beams upon the person of your beloved Son, through whom grace and truth are made known. Lord, magnify your name. Glorify your own grace. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. We're sitting in light. You've probably got lights in your house. Even if you don't put up Christmas lights, you enjoy the light. It's one of the first things you do when you walk back into the building at the end of a day. If you haven't been there, the lights go on. There'll be lights over the next few days, plenty of festivities. We went outside last night to stand in the light because it was dark and we wanted to be able to see but away from all the lights and the festivities, men still walk in darkness. There is much physical and much spiritual darkness in the world. There are many places in the world today that will have no light. There is poverty, there is crime, there is war. How much light of any kind is in Gaza today? How much light in the eastern parts of Ukraine? How much light in Prague in the aftermath of the horrible murder, murders of the last few days? How much misery can you find within just a few seconds walk of this church building? Behind some of the nice facades of the houses around us, there is much grief and distress For many people, indeed, this time of year can seem particularly dark, because while there may seem to be light elsewhere, they feel the isolation, they feel the loneliness. It's not made any better by the fact that, I think it was yesterday, was the shortest day of the year this year, the equinox walking in darkness. This is the language, then, of distress. This is the language of danger. When you go out in the darkness, you will take a light with you so that you can see where you are going. Ultimately, it can become even the language of death. And it's not simply the darkness of poverty, not the darkness of crime, not the darkness of war, not the darkness of of loneliness and antagonism, but behind it all lies the shadow of sin and all its misery. All the darkness in the world can be traced back to the darkness of the human heart. What then is the antidote to such darkness? What is the answer that we have, and that you may have if you do not have it yet, to the darkness? It's not a little nativity scene. It's not just a baby lying in a manger with some baby-sized halo lighting up the corner of a dark room. It's not uh, a little crib with a tiny bulb stuck in it that pops up just a splash of light. If we restricted our hope to the coming of Jesus into the world... If we take a snapshot of nothing more than the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have not properly reckoned with the light that has come into our darkness, the light that was prophesied by Isaiah, as we read it in chapter 9, and elsewhere in his prophecy. The recognition of Zacharias that now the day's spring from on high has visited us, The declaration of John, the writer of this gospel, and John the Baptist, that now the light of the world has come into the world. It goes beyond the nativity. This could be just a a distant glimpse of a candlelit window on a long and gloomy road that is quickly lost behind us. It could be a will-o'-the-wisp, a swamp light in the murk and misery of this world that even could lead us astray. But in John's Gospel, in chapter 8 and verse 12, our Lord Jesus now confirms what was spoken of him in connection with his coming into the world. If you go back then to the beginning of John's Gospel that we just read, you have it in verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And verse 9, that, this man, that was the true light which which gives light to every man coming into the world. And now you come to Jesus, full grown, stating emphatically in one of the great personal declarations of John's gospel, I am the light of the world. It follows the witness of John the Baptist, the man who pointed to the coming Messiah. It comes on the back of his great teaching and his mighty deeds that he now declares, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, why does the world need light? Why does God bother making such promises? Why, when the Lord Jesus comes into the world, is there this explosion of celebration because now something has fundamentally changed? And the answer is that the world lies in darkness. It lies in spiritual darkness. This is the condemnation, said our Lord himself, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil one of the reasons why people reject the good news of Jesus Christ is that if you come to Jesus Christ you cannot pretend anymore that you are a good person just as if you had been knocked into the mud between the church building and the square last night while you were crossing the square you might have got away with it But as you come into the square itself and you're standing in the full glare of those four streetlights, now you find just how messy you got while you were in the darkness. And if it's spiritual darkness, that's something we like to cover over. We like to keep it hidden as we imagine. And so we will not come to the light. And the darkness of every human heart then seeps out in every place and relationship. The world needs light. Jews need light. And Gentiles need light. If you think of the old designation of the East and the West, the Orient and the Occident, there is no place in the world that has inherent light. If you think of the global North and the global South, both lie in spiritual darkness. You can call it first world, second world and third world. But it is all equally gloomy. You can talk about the majority world. And the majority and the minority all dwell in the same spiritual darkness. You can speak of the developed world and the developing world. And both of them lie under the shadow of the evil one. However the world likes to divide up the world... Whatever boundaries we draw, whether they be national or political or socio-economic or geographical or, or any other, there is one universal reality across the entire globe as it presently is, that the world is in darkness. Sin and its consequences grip the whole human race universally, and indiscriminately. Whatever systems men concoct, whatever notions men come up with, whether or not we're setting capitalism against communism or whatever it would be, do you want the evil of capitalism or the evil of communism? Do you want the darkness of this political wing or the darkness of that political wing? Apart from Jesus Christ, the world lies in darkness. The world needs light Because by nature, every human heart, including mine and yours, is shrouded in the darkness of unbelief and sin. What light, then, does the world need? Does it need the light of politics? Does it need a political revolution? Does it need for us to get back to real capitalism or or real communism or to find some some new and different system that at last will will bring all the native goodness of the human heart to, to bear upon the world in which we live? My friends, everywhere you go, suppose you could create a perfect system of government. What would ruin it? The people who govern. See, even if you had the most perfect system imaginable, the fact that the people who are involved in it have fallen hearts is going to mean that somehow that system, even if it began perfectly, would so quickly become twisted and corrupted. It is the nature of man to ruin even the very best that he receives. What about the light of philosophy? How's that going for us? Every generation produces its own philosophers, and every generation's philosophers tell us that the philosophers that we had before didn't get it quite right, or sometimes even slightly right. There's a new paradigm, there's a new way to understand things, there's a new mode to interpret everything that's going on in the world. What about the light of science? Interesting, isn't it? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. What have we been told for the last two or three years? Follow the science. How's that gone for us? Now we're being told that the science we were following wasn't perhaps quite the right science, that some people should have challenged the science. And still confusion, still antagonism. You've only got to click the wrong button on social media and you'll get a flood of angst. Anger, antagonism, arrogance, everything that is wrong with everything that the scientists have come up with in the last few years. And what are we're going to do? Well, we're going to pit our scientists against your scientists, and we're going to tell one another, "Well, ours are the scientists who've been silenced. What about the light of superstition? What about the light of false religion? It isn't true that religion is the cause of all the wars in the world. The false religion has shed the blood of thousands upon thousands. Some religions march forward at the edge of a sword. You look at some of the vileness and the wickedness that is taking place in our world at this time. Where is the light? It is all darkness because it's God made in the image of man. It's wicked men projecting their notions onto something that they have created according to their own kind, something that answers to their own depraved needs. We need more than false light. We need more than half light. We need more than fallen human wisdom can ever create and provide. What did John say in chapter 1 and verse 9? This was the true light. This is the light that the world needs. The true light of heaven shed abroad. So who then is the light of the world? And you notice that we have to become very personal now. Not what is the light, but who is the light? The light is a person. The light is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. So if you go back to those uh, chapters that we read, those verses in Isaiah, when he's speaking of the mercies of God, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And then if you go on, we've mentioned it already. Here's Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, says God to his servant, and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people... As a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Or well, here's Isaiah 49 and verse 6. Indeed, says the Lord, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what Simeon saw when he understood that the consolation of Israel had arrived. Or you can turn to Psalm 36 and verse 9. Let me go back. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. That's the brightest shadow you'll find in the Gospels. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Now of whom were the psalmists, the poets, the prophets speaking? Jesus of Nazareth spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. All the promises that were sparkling in the darkness up to this point have now reached their fulfillment because the light of the world has come into the world. And without him, men walk in darkness. Notice the distinction that he makes. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. What does that mean for everybody who does not follow Jesus Christ? It means that you are walking in darkness. It means that the whole pattern of your life mentally, morally, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, physically is one of darkness in and from the heart. Without Jesus Christ, who is alone the light of the world, you are lost in the gloom of your sin and you need the light of divine mercy to shine upon you. Where else will you see the mercy of God Where else will you see the judgments of the Lord uh, illuminated by his kindnesses? Where will you see God just, yes, but a justifier also outside of the light of the world who is Jesus Christ? Without him you walk in darkness, in the shades of death, but he is the light of life. He is the only one who can transform your last moments from hopeless horror into glorious hope. He is the only one who can enable you to live this life in anticipation of the life which is to come with that life already at work in your soul. Without the Lord Jesus you will be in the shadow of ignorance. You'll be groping like a blind man in darkness. But now the light of truth has come and in him there is sufficient illumination. From his spirit there is power even to open the eyes of the blind. You do not know what is true until you look to Jesus Christ. And the arrogance of fallen man is to say, I know best... You do not and you cannot know without Jesus Christ as the light of truth. The cloud of unbelief. Isn't that the problem? That men love darkness rather than light? That men cannot and will not see what God has said? A few lights on the Christmas tree at this time of year. Fair enough. But the light of the world, what nonsense. The light of life, I can live without him. What about the murk of slavery? The darkness of bondage to sin. The most heavily chained men and women in the world are those who boast of their own freedom. I can do what I want. Yes, yes. Yes, and you do. And in doing so, you show yourself a slave of sin. Because even your wanting reveals the fact that you are in the darkness of what Isaiah called the prison house. Have you thought of that? That you may think this day that you are free. And the very freeness in which you boast is the evidence of your being chained. What a tragedy. What are the weight of fear? There's an epidemic of anxiety in our society. There's an epidemic of anxiety in Christian churches. People live in fear, terrified of what may happen next. A constant underlying tension and distress. A bubbling under agitation. You do not need to scratch very deep in the lives of many of your neighbours. And you will see that there is something bordering even on panic that lies just beneath the surface because people do not know what is going on and how to live in this world. And it only takes one little nudge and it feels as if their whole world is falling apart. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be living like that and you need not live like that because... Against the darkness of fear, the light of joy and peace has shone upon you. All things are now yours, because Christ is yours, and you are Christ's. And whatever the world may throw against you, whatever the flesh may try to do to you, whatever the devil may come against you with, you are safe and secure if you are following him. He... And he only is the light of the world. Now, which of you would take a torch with you if you were walking out in the middle of the noonday sun in a cloudless sky? I don't need a torch. I have the light of the sun. And my friends, when we have the sun of righteousness shining upon us, we do not need the torches and the candles of human wisdom. How then may I have the light of the world? There aren't probably that many people here who would say, I like the dark. I like the dark. I actually do. I like going out where there are no street lights anywhere. I like going out into forests and woods and turning off the lamps and... But even so, what do you do? What's your instinct when you're out in the darkness? Where do you look? Up. Why? Because there are still lights that are shining. Some people hate the darkness. I don't always love the dark. You know, grown-ups still get nightmares. know there are times when spiritual oppression and distress can come upon you in the night hours what do you do grown-ups children just for your consolation so you know it's not just you what do you do grown-ups when you wake up afraid in the dark click don't you still turn the light on don't you still reach for a torch or a switch or whatever it may be and the darkness flees away How may those who walk in darkness have light? I am the light of the world. This is the man. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have, shall possess enduringly the light of life. If you would no longer walk in darkness, then the simple answer is to follow Jesus. What does that mean? It means to trust this person. It means to look upon this babe born in the manger as he truly is God in flesh. Emmanuel. Is that not one of his sweetest and deepest names? God with us. Jesus, the Saviour, his name. From before he was even conceived, or just at the moments of his conception, that child which is conceived in the womb of your betrothed wife, Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You need to trust that Man. And you need to embrace his work. You must go further than his birth. You must follow him through his life. You must trace his steps all the way to the cross of Calvary. You will not be saved if you stay in Bethlehem. You need to follow Jesus to Jerusalem, where he suffers and dies in the place of sinners where he takes the sin of the world upon himself, the sins of his people from every kingdom and tribe and tongue and nation, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have this everlasting life. You need to believe his teaching. You cannot pick and choose. Christ Jesus has spoken. He is the revealer of God. This is his word. And if you are to follow Jesus Christ, you cannot select which of his steps you will follow. You need to obey his commands. If you're a Christian, you are no liberty to say, well, I like this bit, but I don't like that bit. I like what he says about salvation, but I don't like what he says about how I'm to live my life. I like what he says about mercy, but I don't like what he says about being a man of God or a woman of God. I like what he says about having heaven, but I don't like what he says about family religion. I like what he says uh, about being secure, but I'm not so keen on what he says about being gentle and kind and sacrificially loving. I like what he says about uh, uh, being able to call God Father, but I don't like what he says about the way that he is to be worshipped. My friends, it's a whole. It's one comprehensive, coherent truth. Because in Christ Jesus, God is made known to us. And if we are to follow him, we're to trust his person. We're to embrace his work. We're to believe his teaching, we're to obey his commands, we're to take his example. To follow him means to walk as he walked, to imitate him in all things. Is that not delightful? And again, you have to go beyond the incarnation considered in itself to follow Jesus Christ. You'll see something of his humility in his coming into the world, but he keeps stooping, further and further through his life do you want to see his gentleness then you'll need to see his developed strength as a full-grown man being exercised with all the tenderness of divine compassion do you want to see his wisdom do you want to understand his courage then you will need to follow his footsteps all through his life And to follow him is to enjoy his influence and his presence. Communion with God. Walking no longer in darkness, but walking in the light. Because he himself is light. That's what John again will say. You know, light's one of John's favourite words, perhaps. Why? because he knows the light of the world. He knows the darkness of the world apart from him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Darkness is distress. Darkness is danger. Darkness ultimately... Is death. But this is the light that brings life, and that brings us to life. He is all the light, and he is all the life. In First Peter chapter two and verse nine You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. My friends, Jesus Christ is the light that the world needs. There is no place across this entire globe that does not need the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why the great missionary endeavours of the past have involved believers from whatever place the light has already shone, taking that light into the darkness of the world. And still there are dark places. Still there are countries where there is no true knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are peoples and people groups. There are languages where this light of God's gospel concerning Jesus Christ is not shining. And the world still needs light. This country needs light. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that this is a Christian country. Don't imagine for one moment that we've got a Christian national church. Don't imagine that simply because of the the blessings of the past that we're somehow guaranteed that we will always have this light. You don't need to go very far. Or you could go to the very ends of the nation. You look in the highest places, you go down to the lowest places. You open the doors of the homes, you open the doors of a man's lips. And what will you hear and see? What do you see in the laws of our country? What do you see in the way that it is governed? What do you see in the antagonisms that rip our nation apart? if not a darkness that needs the light to shine. This town needs the light of the world, doesn't it? We're scattered across it. Some of us from outside of it, in which case you can replace your own. Do you know a neighborhood that doesn't need the light of the world? Do we have a reputation across the county, across the country, for being a place that is marked by peace, by happiness, by joy, by well-being. It's always amusing, isn't it? Well, maybe it shouldn't be, but, but the ranking systems. Do you live in the best or the worst town in England? <laughs> How dark is your place? Uh, our place is marginally less dark than yours, measured by the standards that we like to imagine. Crawley needs Christ's gospel. This neighbourhood needs it. <coughs> when Maidenbauer was first built, what now, about 25 years or so ago? Maidenbower Village. There's one way in and one way out. There's only two entrances, aren't there? You can get stuck coming in and going out. People like to think of themselves as living in Maidenbauer and not in neighborhood X or Y or Z. Is Maidenbauer any holier than any other part of of Crawley? Is there more godliness here by virtue of its geography or its relative wealth? Your neighborhood, the one in which you live, the homes of men and women. For all the Christmas gleams, there is darkness in so many homes. By the end of Christmas Day, there'll be anger, there'll be argument, there'll be drunkenness, there'll be lust, there'll be grief, there'll be distress. For some people, a temporary, apparent performance. And when the door shuts... And when the lights are turned off, we'll be left darkling. What about your heart? See, that's where it all begins. That's where it must start. My heart and yours needs the light of life. Needs the light of the world. Who is he? It's not because we're better not because we're more intellectual, not because we've got our act together, not because we've got more money than other people, not because we budget better, not because we've got nicer jobs, not because we've been able to marry well or whatever it may be. My friends, the child in the manger was the light of the world. He was the light of life. And he was not a little glow in the corner of a nativity tableau. He's not a spark swallowed up by the world's ocean of darkness. He's not a flicker in December's gloom or the gloom of any other part of the year. In him, the light of God is shining and shines still. The gleams of Bethlehem become the beams of a holy life lived before God and men in which there is not the merest hint or shade of darkness of any kind. In him there is an essential excellence, for the uncreated light has taken our humanity. In him there is a saving sufficiency, that he might be the light of the world. What will you do with him? Will you glance at him in passing as you walk along your own dark road would you shun him who is the only true light in all the darkness of this life will you dismiss him will you try and augment him and hold a candle up to God's son as if somehow to make things better or will you come to the light of the world in faith that you might find in following him the light of life Who do you see in the manger of Bethlehem? What do you see in the city of David? There was born to us a saviour who is Christ the Lord. The day spring from on high has visited us. Those who walked in darkness have seen a grey light. It was too small a thing. That he should be a light to the Jews only. God set him to be a light to all the nations of the earth. The light has come into the world. And the darkness cannot, cannot, did not and never will overcome it. Here is God incarnate. Here is the saviour of the world. Here is the light of life. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Here is the guide.